0: And feeling like P Dut hey, my glasses on out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking
1: live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios.
2: You know what I do if I own a hockey team?
1: This is the press box.
2: I hire a sumo wrestler
1: with Grady and Bischoff.
2: I'd give him a uniform, transportation, 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal, eat a ham sandwich, and enjoy the game. My team would never get scored on.
1: On ESPN,
2: Las Vegas. We would get scored on constantly. Maybe. but least sell
0: a few tickets.
1: What a boring game.
0: They're in the playoffs, Ed! They're in the
1: playoffs. Raiders in the they playoffs. Did Can it. you believe it? Oh, man. They did
0: it! There are. I there think are... you
1: picked the Raiders, right? No, none of us did. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Not even Scorigami? Did I pick a tie? No, Jared picked a tie.
1: Oh, and well,
0: we you, were, almost, you got the. We were, you were close. close. Yeah. We, were, we were very close to a yeah. Scorigami well, tie.
2: Didn't I have to pick a Scorigami for Jags? Uh, Colts. Colts. Yes,
0: you had to do. We made you do that too. I'm pretty sure I, I may have came close on I that. I did not write down your Scorigami for Jags and Colts, so I do not know what it was. There, Ed, there are Raiders fans that are 18 years old. And this is that—that's the biggest game they've ever seen. I mean, they did play one other one uh, win and oh, end game, I mean, and they lost, like not involving Connor seven years Cook. ago. But that's the biggest game they've seen because, again, the one time they've been in the playoffs, Connor bleeping Cook was the quarterback. His car got hurt. That like there is a generation of Raiders fans who think that they hey we get we go here every two or three years
1: this is what happens this is what we're supposed to do <laughs> they yeah. made the
0: playoffs yeah they did it I'm not uh, I'm gonna try to as little as possible tell you how bad I think they are but no, they made the playoffs no not today
2: not today they're in they're in uh, baby okay can we talk about how bad the Chargers are
0: well the
1: first bite <laughs>
2: was that the best
1: NFL game of the season. It was definitely one of the most exciting because I have no idea what happened last night. They're up 15 with eight and change left, and they gave up two drives, 175 and 183, to allow the Chargers to tie. And then (laughs) the fact that this thing, we talked so long, the fact that this thing that they went to overtime and tied, that they both get in, actually made overtime, was absolutely fantastic. It, it it was amazing. When they tied 29 all. we're sitting there in the press box saying, what did we just watch? I looked at Adam Hill. I said, what are you writing? He goes, I have no idea. And he was supposed to be in in like 20 minutes. And he goes, I, why would you know at this point? I mean, it was
0: insane. That It was incredible. Like, everything that led up to Sunday Night Football happened perfectly for that game where you have yeah. the Colts losing but the Steelers yeah. winning, which means neither the Raiders nor the Chargers had clinched a spot before the game. If either team won the game, they're in the playoffs. If either team lost the game, they're out of the playoffs. And if they tie, they both go. Not one, but both go to the playoffs. And so all the conversation the entire week about Raiders-Chargers tie and they could both get in the playoffs, that entire conversation almost came to fruition. It almost came true. And and it's—and not in a way where either team was playing for a tie. In a way where... They were tied at twenty nine. Yeah. How the hell do you score twenty nine points? Like, th- it was insane. The-, the whole thing was insane. And the worst part of it is, I think the craziest part of that entire game we're going to completely forget about. The Chargers had a nineteen play drive. Yes, to 80, tie the game on the yards, final snap. Yes. Yep,
2: nineteen yep. plays. And he was, and it was Herbert. What? Fourth down. Fourth Four down. Three for three on fourth downs. <laughs> I think one of those
1: two drives, he might have done
0: six. Yes, in total. Yes, yes they, in he, total. he converted. It was like more fourth and tens or longer yeah. than it, like the rest of the league has the yes. entire year, basically. And like not just not just like, oh, they converted fourth and tens. Right. The last one they had to go review because the ref gave him a bad yeah. spot. Like the game was over. The Raiders had it one on that spot. And then they were like, eh, we got to go look at. It. Oh, we screwed that up. First down charge unbelievable. And then it wasn't fourth down, but it might as well have been with two seconds left. You throw a game winning touchdown pass unbelievable. And that doesn't even include the fourth and 21 on the previous drive where he throws a touchdown pass to get within seven. And we're going to completely forget about that. And that was probably the best part of the game that the chargers scored 15 points in the final five minutes of that game. Like Derek Carr went about an hour without being on the field because the chargers had two unbelievable drives. Like, Shouldn't have let him get so well God. rested. That game was incredible. And then for both teams, the only way you tie or still have a tie in overtime after both teams score is if they both kick a field goal and they both march down the field and kick the field goal and then suck and struggle in the red zone and have to unbelievable. unbelievable. It's it, incredible. We we said if it got close that
1: they'd play for the tie and even Staley didn't uh, Staley didn't disagree with that. And then even Bisacci after the game said it didn't happen, so I don't have to talk about it. But. I think in the beginning he did admit we were talking about it, oh. like we were talking about it. And the first run, I mean, I think they were trying to set it up. But obviously the Chargers' run defense, which isn't any good, and that's Staley that said that's why we call the timeout. <laughs> Herbert actually, there's a there's a shot of Herbert on the sideline saying, I think we need to call timeout here, and they did call timeout uh, to according to Staley to set up their run defense. And then the run defense couldn't yeah. stop them. It, so okay,
0: the Raiders played that final drive. About as perfectly as they could have, right? They they start off with a big completion to Brian Edwards. Right. And that was really the key to the drive. Because if that's an incomplete pass, obviously the tie. clock stops. And yeah. you might end up having to punt the ball back to the Chargers, right? right? If that first pass is complete. But once they got that first pass complete, and then they end up getting to midfield. We're right around two minutes. The Raiders are at midfield. And the Raiders are in the situation. And they played it perfectly. They can either run the clock out and go to the playoffs or they can kick a field goal. And the Raiders just three times, handoff, handoff, handoff. If Jacobs gets stuffed on those three and it's fourth and eight. Then they're going to Kansas City. They're they're going to let the clock run out. The Chargers are going to let it run out and whatever. But because Josh Jacobs popped that third and four run for 10 yards, why not kick a 46-yard yeah. field goal? Because there's like a .001% chance it gets returned for a touchdown right. for the Chargers. That's, That's what the, someone said in the press. Right. Well what if it gets blocked and returned i said uh it's, and he, and here's the thing uh, i can understand that argument except we know the playoff seat we knew the playoff seating right. they know oh, they knew where they were going and i think that that's worth it to avoid kansas city yes. and go to cincinnati yes. instead now cincinnati blew them out here at elisha stadium yeah. so it's not like they're going into a good matchup but it's a slightly better yeah. matchup than going to kansas city it's phenomenal. Everything about it was phenomenal. And Rich Basaccia handled the, the overtime period extremely well. Yep. I, I think that was very good. And I, honestly, I think Staley did too. I mean, they just on third and four, they couldn't get a third down stop. They let Josh Jacobs run for 10 yards. Even if he let him run for five, I don't know if Basaccia attempts a 52 or three yard field goal. Right? Do you th- do you think he th- he attempts a fifty no, plus? No, because I think goal? that's what
1: they were talking about. Right? I think like, that's what he, when he admitted afterwards it was, oh, we were talking about, it. we knew all the yeah. scenarios. Like he got
0: into the mid forties there, and it's like, well, yeah, we're it's are pretty girls. safe, yeah, right? Exactly. But if it had been fifty three or something like I'm that, because so sure. the longer, the farther the kick, the more likely it is that it's blocked or something goes wrong, right? So if it's fifty three, you you might not even kick it. Like right. if Jacobs gets five yards, if he gets a first down but by one yard, right? You might not kick it yeah. in that scenario. So. I thought it was. I thought it was handled extremely well for a situation that we have never seen. Right? Has 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 anybody ever been in that situation where, hey, if, if we tie, we're both we're going? both in. No, I and, can't remember. Right? I can't remember that happening. And we're probably not going to see it ever again. No. Right? I mean,
2: news. I mean, with this new schedule, and if there's a tie each season, I mean, the Lions and the Steelers both still exist. I guess, yes, there has to be <laughs> yes. a tie
0: every season, basically. <laughs> For this to happen, uh, but it was it handled very well by, I think, both coaches.
2: Maybe we'll get into this later, but did anyone else love the zoom in to Derek Carr's face when he called the timeout and he like smiled <laughs> like he was like, oh, oh, we're both going. We're both going. No, we're not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I, by the way, uh, I think we all need to be mad at Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth and Michelle Tafoya this morning because. Okay. First off. You guys see everybody yelling about Brandon Staley's timeout. Yeah. Okay. Before the third down play, the Raiders are lined up to snap the ball. Staley calls a timeout with four seconds on the right. play clock. And for some reason, like half the sports world right now is convinced that that cost the Chargers a playoff spot. I don't know why, but like everybody last night was like, oh, that, that cost them. And is that what the broadcast was saying? So here's, here's where Collinsworth and Michaels and Tafoya screwed up. They didn't comprehend the timeout. Staley took the timeout with four seconds left on the play clock, like seconds before the, the Raiders were about to snap the ball. And he took the play, uh, timeout with four seconds left. So it didn't. it's not like he saved any time. He saved like three seconds for the right. Raiders, but that's irrelevant. They would to run it down regardless of what happened. But people are convinced that if Staley hadn't called that timeout, the Raiders wouldn't have gotten a first down and that the Raiders got more aggressive. Because they called that timeout, know. even though they turned to hand it off. On yeah, they turned the hand it off.
2: It was, yeah, it was literally off
0: guard. Yeah, but that is yeah. that is half of the sporting world thinks that's what happened last night, and the reason I think is because when he called the timeout, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth was like, "Whoa, Staley called a timeout. He's going to have to explain that one." Like they had no comprehension of why he called that timeout when Staley afterwards says, "Well." We had to get our run, our best right, run defense right. on the field. Exactly. Didn't work. And then Michelle Tafoya, and our... she talks to Derek Carr on the field afterwards. She says, uh, "Derek, did that time, late timeout by the Chargers change your strategy?" And Derek said, "Yeah, of course it changed our strategy, but we were always going to try to win." So then she asked Derek Carr a question, like a leading question, saying, "Hey, that timeout, did it matter?" And Derek Carr is always going to be like, "Yes." Oh, of course it did. Yeah, he was not going to say no. There. Right. So the broadcast completely blew it because they did not comprehend. They had no idea what was going on. They did not have a clue why Staley called that timeout, and it led to again half the football world being like, "Oh, Staley cost the Chargers right. a chance at the playoffs." When that's the most ridiculous thing right. I've ever heard. Like the timeout changed nothing.
1: I think I think that's why Herbert was saying we need to take a timeout.
0: Yeah, because they're about to give up. Yeah, they're about yards. to give up the <laughs> They gave up run. ten, but. Run defense wasn't good. Anyways, there's also a picture. The Chargers might have only had nine guys on the field for that play. Yeah,
2: that's what I that's you,
0: after the timeout. No, no. Before no. the timeout. Okay. Before the right. timeout. Right. They okay. might have only had nine guys on the field. Okay.
2: Okay. See, I thought they only had 10, but I was like, I was in my room. You're like, you don't have it. You, you don't have
0: enough dudes. I think it was Zay Jones uh, bottom of the TV screen. Totally uncovered. Um, there was not there might. So it might've been off screen. Somebody was like 15 yards off the ball. But there's no there's nobody within ten yards of Zay Jones. Like he's just standing there with nobody near him. It's like if the Raiders had wanted to, they probably could have snapped it, thrown it to Zay Jones, and he could have walked in for a touchdown and won the game. So, or at least walked in for yeah. like, hey, hey, Daniel, you know how you're used to kicking from the two yard line? I got you.
1: <laughs> six, six walk off wins. Unbelievable. That's it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, six walk off wins, and, one touchdown, and five Carlson field yeah. goals.
0: It's they've won four straight games by a combined 12 points. That's that doesn't happen like that. That doesn't happen at all. Never does that happen. Teams don't win that many close games in a row. And somehow the Raiders did it. And somehow they did it to make the playoffs. Like they had, they had to win all four of those games to be sitting in the playoffs today. And they did it. And they did it all by four points or less in every single one. Some didn't, somebody did a, uh, like reverse one score
2: games, like had you you won a one score game, yes. but instead you lost. Yes. The Raiders would be like picking in
0: the top. Five. I went seven and two in one score games this year. Yeah, yeah, which is insane. Is unbelievably good. Like you normally are about five hundred in one score games. Like the Raiders are seven and two in one score games. Yes. So if you took seven <laughs> wins away from them, they'd be picking in the top ten. We'd be talking about yeah, who are they drafted and who's the next Cleveland Furl. For the Raiders.
1: How much are they on the sideline? Bisacci afterwards says, yeah, they were thinking about it. How much is the discussion? We don't want to go to Kansas City.
0: I think that happens. But I, I think it's more of a, hey, we're in, even though we're going to Kansas City. We're in if we don't do anything at all. Right. And I think if you're the Raiders, so before that Daniel Carlson field goal, they're in if they don't do anything no, at all. They're the seventh seed. Yes, but they're in. If they don't do a single thing. And if you, again, it's a very bizarre scenario, but if at any point during this season, you told the Raiders, Hey, as long as you just watch the clock run out, you're going to the playoffs. You're like, okay, we're we're in. So I think that outweighs, Hey, whether or not where you're going to play, but when it's a 47 yard or whatever it was for Carlson, you're like, even if he do not trust that guy, right. The, the only risk in that scenario is they block Block and return. And return it. Right. Not even just block it. Like even yeah. if if Carlson shanked it into the seventh row, you're fine. If Carlson managed to kick it into his own lineman's ass, yeah, you're fine. Right, just as long as it doesn't get blocked in return for a touchdown. I actually think if if Carlson catches it and that, it's he can still, he can it's run. It's still a live ball. He can run. Okay. All right. Coming up next, we're staying right here with more Raiders because I don't even feel like we've covered half the game. We are back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. You know, afterwards, he admitted to watching the games. In the he did. He did admit he said, to I that. I watched the games. And then he said he regretted it because he was a nervous wreck while right. watching those. Which is funny because he basically he basically set it up, which I think a lot of athletes probably are, when they're the ones playing... They don't really experience the nerves, but when they're watching other teams and their yes. playoff hopes, and they're are, hoping other are on hoping the line, to go so they're, a they're, way. they're just like you and me throwing yeah. remotes at the wall because yes. damn it Ben Roethlisberger, how'd you go down the field yeah. and score again? So I have to imagine that's what it is. Would Brent Musburger have yelled jackpot baby if Daniel Carlson had missed the field goal? Cuz they still no. would have been in the playoffs. <laughs> I still think he would have said Let's get to can let's get to Kansas City <laughs> instead of Cincinnati. Or, or if the Raiders had kneeled instead, would he have yelled jackpot baby cuz they kneeling still would have been the <laughs> Kneeling he might have with
1: the uh, the <laughs> clock running out. That I, I don't I don't doubt that, but jackpot baby.
0: All right, Max Crosby, did you think he was Ooh. the best player on the field last night? He was a night? pro bowler
1: last night, man. He was unbelievable. He had a great game.
0: I, okay. He was incredible. He had six tackles in that game, three were for a loss, two sacks. He had three pass breakups. I think he had nine um quarterback pressures in that game. Um the thing that I could not believe during those two drives the Chargers had in the fourth quarter to come back and tie it, they kept leaving their right tackle, Storm Norton, just one on one with Max Crosby. They were not they they like refused to give that guy help. And Crosby just kept beating yeah. him. The only the only reason the Chargers were able to avoid Justin Herbert getting demolished is because he was just throwing the ball quickly, like he was just at ah, I'm going to throw it before Crosby can even physically get here. Storm Norton got crushed by Crosby over and over. I like he was Crosby was unbelievable, and the Chargers were like, you know what? We're going to let him be unbelievable, and it's going to be fine because we're going to c- keep converting fourth downs. But Crosby was incredible last night. Oh, he was a Pro Bowler. Yeah, That's, he,
1: he was. He 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 proved why he's a Pro Bowler. Yeah. He was terrific, and you said that throughout the entire game. We're talking about the entire game. We kept saying, "Man, look at Crosby. Look at
0: Crosby. Look how good he's playing." <laughs> Got playing. Yeah, he's he was great. Also, so okay. Who are we who are we putting in as like top players of the game here? Crosby was phenomenal defensively. We're giving Daniel Carlson credit because what did he make? Yeah. Four field goals in that game. How about Josh Jacobs? We're giving Josh Jacobs. I think we're giving Josh Jacobs a star. So the fascinating thing with Jacobs, the running game sucked until overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Running game was terrible. I mean, he had I think the first play of the first handoff, he had eight yards. Yes. And then he had like a 14 yard carry, I think, on the second drive of the game. That was it. Like he did he they could not run the ball. But then in overtime, the running game is the reason the Raiders were able Got to get in position yeah, for Carlson. They were they were in position to either kneel it out and take the tie and go to the playoffs or attempt the field goal and go to the playoffs because of the running game. And here's what's interesting. How much credit are we giving Derek Carr?
1: I mean, doesn't he deserve some? Is there some credit for playing, you know, I mean, for, I, I mean, I give more credit to Josh
0: Jacobs. If you ask right. me who the offensive MVP was, I'd say Josh Jacobs was. So here's the Raiders scored 35 points in that game. And only six of those came in overtime. Like they scored 29 through right. regulation, which is outside of the win over the Cowboys. The most they've scored since Halloween, like the offense scored points, but it's not because of Derek Carr. Derek Carr threw for 186 yards a game that played basically five quarters and the offense scored 35 the quarterback of the team that scored 35 points had 186 yards that's not very many and in overtime he only had 30 yards two drives in big overtime he chunk on the first yes he had we had the big pass on Tazejo or was it Brian I can't remember who it was on the first uh play of that last drive in overtime but he only had 30 yards in overtime like Derek Carr wasn't good last night like, they struggled in the red zone again, and if their They're, car had been good in the red zone, that game never goes to overtime.
1: No, early on, early on, all of us up there said on the second field goal, this is going to bite them. Yeah. Like, they can't finish drives here. This is this guy, this kid on the other side is way too good, and he's going to start scoring points. Yeah. And he,
0: he did. It took him a 19-point oh, yeah. yeah, drive. Yeah, 83 yards. I mean, they got it. every time on 4th and 10, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I'll bet. I'll
1: get it.
2: I think it was, was it 14-17 was the point where I was like, this shouldn't be this close. No, it shouldn't be like the, the Chargers kept the Chargers kept doing dumb bleep, and it was like, yeah. okay, I guess the, all right, I yeah. guess it all worked out.
0: It was do you, do it was halftime, think, and and the Raiders were or the Chargers were fortunate to still be in the game.
1: Do you think, in any sense, the officials got in the way last night? Okay, because I thought
2: we may need more time. The, to discuss I, I just this. thought
1: I thought one of the worst calls I've seen all year. Was the interference on Zay Jones in yeah. yeah. the in the end zone,
0: which allowed them to hand them a touchdown? They handed, them a literally, touchdown. handed them a touchdown. Them a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's an uncatchable pass.
2: Oh it's, no, it's Shaquille 30, O'Neal couldn't have caught it, that, was, pass. that thing,
1: I don't it's, even know if the pass was in the frame. No, I didn't. I wasn't watching on TV, no. but someone said, someone said who's watching? Like, texted me. and said that pass wasn't even in the frame. You never no, even saw he, the I, pass. No, I was watching
2: it on Peacock, but I was literally like waiting. Like, where's the ball? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: It's one of the worst calls you've ever seen it's because horrible. it was not even close to catchable. And catchable negates the pass interference right. in that situation. If they called defensive holding, that doesn't matter if it's catchable. Right. But they called pass interference, and that wasn't a catchable ball. And it literally it put the Raiders on the one-yard line. Yeah,
1: scored a Put them on the one, and Game they score touchdown. on the very
0: next play. If that doesn't happen, Chargers probably have a 14-10 lead going into halftime, right? But instead, the Raiders are basically gifted a touchdown. The thing is... That was about hour, an hour and a half in, and we played for another two and a half hours yeah. after that. So oh, it was a long game. Like com- that play had been completely forgotten. Had that happened in the fourth quarter or overtime? That's all yeah. we're talking about. Today. Oh yeah. So the refs did a good job by making their completely horrendous call in the second quarter and not the fourth quarter overtime. Because if that happens in overtime, we the refs are just oh, it's getting brutal. roasted. Yeah, it's just brutal. roasted the entire day. <laughs> by everybody instead people are arguing about that timeout from brandon's day i was for waiting something. for the
1: raider fans at some point last night to say we're getting screwed by the refs again <laughs> and the chargers had like 105 <laughs> yards of penalty at that point at that it's point I looked up the, yeah i looked up at the at that point on penalties like chargers 105 yards <laughs> but the raider fans will always find a way to say oh we got <gasps> screwed by everybody
0: it was great all yep. right coming up next tim kirkshin joins the show There is a silent terror in baseball, one which has never come to pass in the real world.
2: It's the press box with
1: Brady Bishop on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: The terror is this. There's no guarantee that a baseball game will
0: ever end. There's no clock. It's absolutely possible for a pitcher to be so ineffective that outs are never recorded, and the game marches on, locked in a death spiral until the end of time. got a fun event coming to the Space Las Vegas on February 3rd. It'll be an evening with Tim Kirkshin. You'll be able to ask Tim any questions that you have. Tickets are at the spacelv.com. 100% of the proceeds going to benefit ALS. And joining us now is Tim Kirkshin. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Tim, how are you?
3: I'm well, fellas. How you doing? Good, we are good. good.
0: Um all right. On the baseball side of this, I'm not even going to ask if we're going to have games when they're supposed to be here. Are we going to have Meetings between the owners and the players anytime soon?
3: Yes, we're (laughs) going to have them soon, but the reports have been, and I've heard similar things, the real substantive stuff is not going to start until the end of January, which uh, I think confuses all of us a little bit here. Uh, We're in a crisis point here pretty soon. I'm not sure why the substantive issues aren't being discussed today because that's what we need to do but yes meetings are are going to happen soon i'm just not sure if there's a sense of urgency like i wish there was
1: tim who at this point do you believe uh has the juice to hold out longer who 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 is the hand? usually it's the owners any change this time
3: um no i think the owners are always in a better position to hold out because they have more money than the players do. And even though the players are, you know, really in a good shape financially with salaries, and with benefits, and with, uh, you know, they have war chests set up for things like this, the owners are the real rich guys. And they have other businesses, and they can handle Off, It's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for anyone. And that's kind of the point. We just have to hope that both sides look at this and say, there is so much money to be lost here. We can't let this happen. That's my only hope is that everyone recognizes that sooner rather than later.
0: Tim Kirkson with us from ESPN. So I'm I'm curious, why do you think it is that like you and us here seem to think there should be more urgency than the players and owners are showing when it comes to this lockout?
3: Well, it's unfortunately this is the way a lot of these negotiations have gone over the years. I mean, I covered the 81 strike and there was until there's a sense of urgency. Nobody really gets going. What we've been spoiled by in the last 20 years of labor peace is that Michael Wiener, formerly of the union, the late Wiener, he would get things done before we ever got to a sense of urgency. And that simply hasn't happened this time. So let's just hope everyone gets to, you know, (laughs) February first, let's say, and they say, "Boy, we, we got to get going now. We can't miss spring training. We can't have a, you know, a delayed start to the regular season. So we got to go now." Unfortunately, that's the only thing that sometimes kickstarts negotiations, and that just doesn't seem right to me or a lot of other people.
1: Tim, what, when they get back to the table, when they actually start talking on a consistent basis, can you let and a lot of people out here uh, and everywhere, I think, don't understand what's going on here with the lockout, what are the main issues? Are there ones you think either side would give up sooner than later?
3: Well, that's really hard to tell, but I think the key issue is that the players want to be paid earlier in their careers rather than later. As we know, Take six years in baseball to become a free agent. Baseball players are saying most of us get to age 30, 31 after six years, and by then the owners aren't willing to pay that age group unless you're a superstar player. So we need to be paid earlier, maybe after three years of free agency with not uh, three years of service, which I don't see happening, or four or five or something less. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue. I don't see at this point the owners uh, you know, going much further than, say, five years. And I don't see the players just accepting five years. I think that's one of the big issues here is getting the pay- players paid earlier. And the players, of course, want to make sure that somehow teams have are trying to win every year and therefore stocking their rosters with the best players possible as opposed to, you know, look rebuilding and giving up a couple of years of standing in order to get better three, four or five years from now.
0: Do you think the Braves who were under 500 at the deadline added some pieces, but went on to win the world series? Does that make it more or less likely that MLB owners in the future will say, "Hey, we should go for it because look at what the Braves did in 2021."
3: Yeah, I think the Braves story really is illuminating in a lot of ways. It just shows you you could be under 500 for the entire season until August the sixth and still win the World Series. I just don't think that can happen in the NBA or the NFL where a team is struggling the whole year, and then comes out and wins the Super Bowl or wins the NBA Finals. I don't think it can happen that way nearly as as much as it can in baseball. So, yes, I think the Braves situation shows the owners, hey, if we can just tread water, get to the trade deadline, make a couple moves like the Braves did, maybe we can win. And maybe that will put them in a position to say, we need to, you know, there's a sense of urgency to win as opposed to rebuilding and starting over.
1: I just want to get your thoughts on a few things as a baseball guy. The universal DH and expanded playoffs, just how, your, your your side on those.
3: Well, I'm all for the universal DH because I just want the same set of rules in each league. It doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me to have two sets of rules. So I don't care if the pitcher is bad. Just have them bad in both leagues. You just need the same set of rules. But logically, the best way to go is the universal DH. But that needs to be collectively bargained also. That is a chip for one side or the other. And therefore, you got to give up something to get something. And that causes problems also. As for expanded playoffs, I certainly understand the benefit of that. More money for everyone. More teams potentially in the race. I just warn everyone, don't forget what the last day of the 2021 season was like. We had about eight teams all playing at the same time, where if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. It made for a tremendous final day. It gave great integrity to the regular season. That 162 games really matters. If we have eight playoff teams like in 2020, which I totally understood in a COVID year, uh, that final day wouldn't have meant anything because all of those teams would have gotten in. The Mariners would have gotten in. The Blue Jays would have gotten in. And that just would have taken away from some tremendous drama the final day of
0: the season. Tim Kirkson with us again February 3rd at the Space Las Vegas. It'll be an evening with Tim Kirkson. You'll be able to ask him questions. That'll be hosted by your son Jeff, who works out here on 1027 Coyote Country. So I do want to go back. The Celebrity All-Star Game at the... or Celebrity Softball Game at the All-Star Game this year. You and your son called that. Do you enjoy working with your son?
3: ah. <sighs> Well, that's a career highlight right there. There's nothing in the world better than working with my son. Um, We've done a few things together. He did baseball tonight with me a couple times uh, as a guest. Uh, But hosting the celebrity, him being the play-by-play guy at the celebrity softball game and me sitting right next to him, uh, that was a thrill, a professional thrill of a lifetime for me. Um, I hope I get to do that again sometime. I just hope it's a better game than this year's Celebrity Softball game.
1: <laughs> we had some crazy times in that game watching that thing.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, Celebrity Softball. How many How many people did you actually know in that? Like, if, if it was no. Tim Kirkshin's celebrities, how many of those people would have actually been celebrities,
3: Tim? Oh, gosh. Uh, I jokingly said at the beginning of the broadcast, Jeff, you take care of all the sports stuff. I'll take care of all the you know, the pop culture stuff. Cause I'm an expert on that, which was an, obviously <laughs> a joke. I didn't know anybody. It. And I, he, I went, Oh, I really did my homework. I went and met virtually every, I think I met every person that played in that game pregame. So I could get some sort of an idea of what they were doing and you know, how much softball experience they had. Some of them had zero as we saw, but yeah, that was a little bit disconcerting, but uh Jeffrey held my hand through the whole thing, and he would whisper in my ear, Dad, this guy's a rapper, okay? He's really good. <laughs> so otherwise, I wouldn't have known. I'm 65 years old. How am I supposed to know that stuff?
0: How many people from that game do you still remember, though?
3: Um, I saw Queer Eye the other day, and I, I'm watching it with my wife and I, I recognize one of the guys in it, and I say, where do I know that guy from? <laughs> and it was... It was
1: Karama. Said, like,
3: Kwame Brown. Yeah, from, Karama. From, from, the, uh, from the celebrity yeah. softball game. So, yes, there is an example of uh, <laughs> me actually learning something, finally, at my late age. All
1: right, we've talked about this often, kind of a joke, but you never know. How far would a team made up of nothing but Shohei Otani's go? Like if there are 25 of them?
3: Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say they would not... Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say they would be real. I've never been asked this before. They they could pitch. All nine guys could pitch. Yes. <laughs> they could pitch an inning each, and they would be great. All nine of them can really hit... I'm not sure if, if he can catch, he's going to need a catcher. He's a great athlete. I'm not sure he can play second base or shortstop, but he'd probably figure it out. I would say that would be a pretty darn good team given his strength as a hitter and his strength as a pitcher.
0: Angels would finally win the AL West for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Jim, uh, Tim Kirkson from ESPN again, coming to the space, Las Vegas, February 3rd at 8 PM. You can buy tickets at the spacelv.com All the proceeds are going to benefit ALS. Tim, thank you so much for joining thank us this you, morning.
3: Tim. All right, fellas. Thank you. Take
0: care. yourself. So there is Tim Kirkshin. Again, if you want to go uh, an evening with ESPN's Tim Kirkshin, that is the SpaceLV.com. It's coming up February 3rd at 8 p.m., uh, but you can buy tickets at the SpaceLV.com.
2: How does it feel to be an Angels fan when we have one of the most respected people, <laughs> one of the most like genuinely nice and like respect, respected people in all of baseball, and you make the joke, they would finally win the, the, division. The, division. the
3: division,
0: the division, not even no, like not the World the, Series. Yeah. Just no. The and division. His response is loud laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they'd win the World <laughs> Series, though. I am. Uh, they'd win. if you had just a whole team of Otani's. <laughs> you win the World Series.
2: I, I That's think the best he brought up. The, I
0: think he brought up the the biggest thing catcher. Oh, it's fine. You're gonna. It's gonna be the best offense in the history of the sport.
1: Yeah, up the middle. I thought. That, I thought when we asked him that that he. I thought he'd go right to shortstop. Yeah.
2: Well, I think, I think Otani could figure out shortstop. I too. He's lanky. I Especially too. if you have another Otani next to him playing <laughs> third.
0: Okay. They're going to be the best offense in the history of the sport. Like it's not, it's not even really close. Like the, you can make three errors a game and they're going to win because they're going to score so many runs. Okay, it, I mean, you like, get, if you get an Otani on second and
2: you have got an Otani up to bat, right? It'd that great. score scoring. It.
1: The, the 15th
0: Otani would lead him in RBIs. He'd have 112 <laughs> RBIs. Okay, like the Astros scored the most runs in baseball this year. Their catcher hit like 130. Okay? Like they had a guy in the lineup hitting 130. The Dodgers were top five in runs. What did Cody Bellinger hit this year? Yeah. Like 211. Right? Like Otani was one of the five best hitters in the sport, and you get nine of them? You can throw the ball into the second row every <laughs> inning, and you're still probably going to win most games you you're going to score so many runs. It's going to be incredible. All right. Coming up next. Well, I don't know what we're doing next. We'll figure it out later. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas. Every Friday we do our dollar loan center, Friday football frenzy. Usually you guys fail and don't win the money, but Lou won 400 bucks and Lou, not only won 400 bucks. It's probably the most impressive $400 we've given away because he picked the Steelers, who won in overtime, the 49ers, who won in overtime, and the Raiders, who won in overtime. All three games that we gave him went to overtime, and he got all three rights. Should Good we job, give Lou. him a Brock Osweiler jersey? Good job, Lou. <laughs> so congratulations to Lou. I believe it's a medium. The one thing is he won't reach out and tell us about it on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, wait. He already did. <laughs> he already did. <laughs> so congratulations to Lou. It's impressive. Genuinely an impressive uh, 3-0 and mark. Over the weekend by Lou. Now, the 49ers, they made the playoffs with oh, an overtime I know they did. win. I know. I know where they're going. Oh, yeah. They're going to Dallas. Whatever. We don't care about that yet. The Rams led 17 to three at halftime. Sean McVay had never lost a game when leading at halftime as head coach of the Rams. Until Jimmy Garoppolo came storming back Jimmy to G. bring the 49ers to get that game into overtime and then win it in overtime. And the Saints, well, they were winning their game against Atlanta, so San Francisco had to win to get in. And now they are in. They're going to Dallas. Um, did Jimmy Garoppolo? Did he prove he deserves to yeah. be the starter? Three sixteen, a
1: touchdown. He had the two picks, but in the most important game of the year, he came through. Right? That's what you want to do. You want to come through in the most important games. Yeah, I think he did. He was okay. I think he did. I think was he was right. I think he was
0: fine. I don't think he was anything special, but he was fine. Are you talking
1: about against the Cowboys? Are you talking
0: about next year? Next year. Oh, he's starting against the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's for sure. I'm talking about next year, though. Like, I'm not convinced mm, Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy.
1: Whether he proved he should be the starter or not, eventually they're going to play the other guy because they drafted him, yeah. and that's what happens. And you, Jimmy G probably understands that you're kind of holding the water until the next guy, until they play the next guy, which Must you yeah. unless you
0: keep winning, unless um, you keep winning. Do you think the Rams can win with Matt Stafford? I think they can.
1: I don't think they can. No? No. Nope. Are you talking about win the Super yeah, Bowl? I'm, yeah, I'm talking about win the Super Bowl. Trying to think of the NFC.
0: Eh, I just think they, I think they can win with Sean McVay. I do not think they're going to Tampa and winning. I do not think they're going to Green Bay and winning. Right. And they might have to do both of those, depending on who wins and loses in the first round of the playoffs. They might have to do both of those to well, go to the Super Bowl. Might lose to Arizona. Then that's that too. They've got to be Kyler Murray in Arizona. <laughs> they got to be Kyler Murray here. So I, I don't think they can. Like, I do not think Matt Stafford is a big enough upgrade from Jared Goff to where. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I mean, he's better than Goff, but not big enough. Like again, it, we've, we've talked about this a lot. It's Derek Carr. It's Kirk Cousins. It's Matt Stafford. Those are all kind of the same guy. Those are all basically the same quarterback. If everything around point, them's good, Andy Dalton was in that. Yes, group. Andy Dalton was once in that group too. If everything around him's good, that you can win with that team. But I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford this year because in the NFC I, again, they probably are going to have to go to Tampa and Green Bay, or at least one of those two, most likely. And I, well, just, they re, I just don't think that happens. if they reseed in the favorites win second games in Lambeau. Yes, yes. And then if they were to win that, then potentially they're going to Tampa right. in the NFC Championship game. And I just maybe they could do one of those. But I, I, I have a hard time seeing them beating Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay all in a row. And that's just the reality. Now, the Lions put up a pretty good fight. The most important thing from 49ers Rams, though. Robbie Gold had two punts that averaged 45 yards. The 49ers punter, Mitch Wisnowski, got hurt trying to make a tackle early good in that Lord, game. Good Lord,
2: sounds like a punter.
0: And Robbie Gold had the punt, And Robbie Gold had two punts, 45-yard average. Mitch Wisnowski's season-long average, 45.1. Why would you carry you're a saying, punter
1: when the kicker can do the job? You're saying don't carry the all-pro A.J. Cole. Just carry Daniel Carlson. Yes. Let, let him just do everything. You're
0: wasting a or roster spot. Maybe A.J. Cole can kick a few goals. Well, either one. Say. You're wasting a roster spot by having two guys that specialize in different kicks. Just make one guy do all the kicking. All of it.